still punch drunk from all the yahooing going on. Yeah. This is a sad group this morning. My goodness. Go Giants. We don't we don't we don't use amen here. We say go Giants. <laughs> all right, I'm going to pray. We'll get into it. God, I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you for some of the things that you're doing in our church and among the people here. God, I just ask that you would instill in our hearts the urgency that we need to get out of this building and into the community and um, introduce people to Jesus. So Lord, I pray that more and more we would continue to be about that singular mission that we are going to show people Jesus. We're going to tell them we're going to show them, we're going to live it, and we're going to do things as a community that will, that will glorify, glorify him, glorify you, God. Lord, this morning I pray that you would speak to us through your word. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. A quick little side note about the Battle of the Band thing. I hope that you heard in Mark's words that this is not about a battle of the bands. This is about what we talked about a few, well, probably months ago now, that we want people to feel like they belong so they can begin to believe, and then we'll worry about the Holy Spirit and changing their behavior. So this is a way to get people to our church and a non-churchy thing, because, you know, we see God in, in a lot more things that just have a, than have a Christian label on it. Just because something says it's Christian doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Just look at all the Republican candidates. And just, ooh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. I promised I would never get political. <laughs> Go Romney. Anyway, I digress. But, but, but no, but we, we, want to, we want to create sustainable outreach. Something, outside the walls needs to be something that is sustainable and not just kind of a hit or missing. And I remember I told you months ago, um, as we were trying to send out emails to tell people, hey, we're going to have to cancel this, we're going to have to cancel that because we can't get people here. This is not getting you off the hook. This is raising the bar. And so I have the utmost faith in all of you that as we raise the, raise the bar, you will meet that challenge and that you will become part of sustainable ways to turn people on to Jesus. All right? All right? All right. Good. So I'll expect a lot of you there next week. All right? All right? Good. And if you don't feel like you're being called, we have little glasses of Kool-Aid out on. Drink one of those and everything will be fine. All right. So where was I? Before, before Advent began, uh, we, we started this whole sermon series through the book of Galatians, and then Advent came, and I really wanted to, to preach through Advent. I wanted to preach through those, those candle things. And so now all of that's kind of behind us. Uh, the new year is behind us. And so and now it's time to get back on track with the teachings. Now, I had the purest of intentions to go back into the book of Galatians. I sat down, I read the text, I, I kind of thought it through, I did the research, I did the study on it, and then I made the tragic mistake of reading the lectionary for this week. 
And I got caught up on the lectionary. I just, I just, I just couldn't, couldn't move past it. And, and I swear to goodness, I tried to ignore it. I kept thinking to myself, Dennis, this is just you. This is not God because God likes things done orderly. God likes, you need to finish what you started. And, but I just couldn't just get the whole lectionary set of readings out of my head. They just kept churning and whirling around in there. And, and so I, I didn't convince myself. And so this morning, we're not going to go back into the book of Galatians. This morning, I feel that God has led us in a different direction. I, I found that through my life, especially as a pastor, I never win an argument with God. As much as I try, I never win the argument with God. Oh, I might think I win. But in the end, but you know, I thought, what a great book that would be. The Seven Steps to Winning an Argument with God. I know it would sell. Because, I mean, it would be complete bunk, but I mean, I know that it would sell. We can get like, never mind, I'm not going to, I already, all right. So uh, this morning's teaching is, is, is going to be a tough teaching for, for some, I think for most of us. It was tough for me to wrestle with it. Um, and so I give you what the Lord has given me. I'm an equal opportunity offender. So here we go into the lectionary readings for, oh, I forgot again. All right, never mind. You know what that is? That's somebody's house. When you all made the bags at Christmas time and you all stuffed the bags with things for the homeless, the person who lives in this water tube in Waterbury received one of those bags. So I just want to let you know that those bags that you, that you filled up might have been just this little thing. You haven't put a face to the ministry that you did. But that person received one of those and was very, very grateful. This is, this is not in a third world country. This is 20 minutes from here, if that. This person lives. You can see the sharpening cart in the back. You can see the mattress. You can see trying to keep off the floor, make it. This is somebody's home, okay? So we're going to look for ways to, to join with that. It's not a ministry. It's more of an agency, and they're doing some really good work. I've been told that already in a lot of the soup kitchens, people are seeing those bags around. So y'all made a difference, and uh, isn't that what the church is about, to make a difference? All right, let's try. I hope I don't forget the sermon. Here we go. The lectionary begins in Genesis chapter 1. It reads like this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning. It was the first day. So in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. And then and the Spirit speaks, and he starts to speak creation into existence. He starts to speak something out of nothing. And, and there's just power and there's just authority in this and creation begins to take shape there's light there's the vaults there's the gathering of the water there's trees there's vegetation there's the sun there's the moon there's the stars he's creating all of these things he creates creatures for the sea he creates creatures for the land and ultimately he will create man and he will create woman and you can see in the just the first few lines of the bible that there is 
power and authority and the voice and the words of God. Let there be light. And it just goes on and on and on from there. Now, if we follow the lectionary this week, it will take us to Psalm 29. And this is verses 3 through 9 out of the psalm. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf. Syrian, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, all cry glory. This is echoing back to that creation story in Genesis where the voice of the Lord just shows itself strong. The voice of God starts to gather uncontrollable powers and he puts them in his control because nothing is outside of his control. Things that we can never even fathom about, even think about putting under our control, the Lord with just his voice, with just his words, speaks and those things come under his control. And then it goes on to say that even the things of the earth, the trees, he has control over simple things, even like the trees in the land. Nothing is outside of him. The voice of the Lord, powerful, majestic. Later on to say in this psalm that he blesses his people and he gives them them peace. And so in the beginning... The Spirit of the Lord is hovering over waters. The Spirit of God speaks creation into existence. And then the psalmist recognizes that the the voice of God is just continuing continuing through history. And then it will take us to Mark chapter 1, verse 8. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. These are the words of John the Baptist. Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. You know that spirit that was hovering above the waters at creation? That's the same spirit that John the Baptist is talking about that Jesus is going to bring. Now, the word baptize, baptism, we automatically think, and, and it actually means to dump, or to dump, yeah, to uh, dip, to immerse in water, to cleanse. And this is what the ministry of John the Baptist was. He had this symbolic ministry of taking you into the river and dunking you for the repentance of your sin, for the forgiveness of your sin. It was, it was saying publicly that, hey, guess what? I am no longer going to go in that direction. I'm going to turn around and I am going to chase after the things of God. This is what John the Baptist was doing when he would baptize. But it also has another meaning. It means to be overwhelmed. So you have to dip, to immerse, to cleanse, but it also means to be overwhelmed. It says Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. But there's something different that's going to be taking place here. Look at the words of Jesus in Acts. This is after he has risen from the dead. He's hanging out with the boys. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking about the same Spirit that hovered above the water at creation. The same Spirit that did all of those things throughout the entire Old Testament. He is telling us that the Father is going to give us that very thing. The Holy Spirit of power. Are are, are you tracking with me here? Do you see the connection? Am I just talking to the wind? Come on, work with me. Give me a go, Giants. Come on. All right, good, good, good. He says, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Spirit. This is not the traditional water gig. Jesus isn't going to dunk anybody in the water. What he is telling us here is that the people are going to be overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Overwhelmed. And you know the story. I mean, at least you should know the story in Acts. They're sitting in the upper room. A mighty wind comes through. They got the little tongues of fire sitting, you know, bouncing on their heads. And, and they start to prophesy. They start to speak in tongues. People think they're all drunk, but they're really not. They have been overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Even at one point, uh, Peter, oh, okay, I got it. Peter stands up. And he says this. Now this is when he's filled with the Holy Spirit. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. God's Power is going to be poured out on his people. Even the slaves are going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. So from creation through the Old Testament into the New Testament, through what we saw Jesus do in his ministry, the Holy Spirit has been alive and well and active. And then Jesus even tells us that you know, once, we, once, once we get it, we're going to be even able to do things that are bigger he's been doing. Are you tracking with that? That's that's a promise from Jesus, okay? I'm not making that up. The very Spirit of God. Now, I know we talked about this in week two when we were talking about peace in Advent. Does anybody remember that? Probably not, but that's okay. I still love you. And so, but that's why I think that we still need, that's why I believe God has brought us to this point in his scriptures. Now, understand, I don't get into a lot of theological arguments and debates. I think they're a complete waste of time. I hate arguing with people about things of theology that the church has argued over for the last 2,000 years and nobody can quite figure it out. I'll ask God when I get there. I'll be happy with his answer. But I especially don't argue with the Holy Spirit stuff because, yes, there are things that separate us in the theologies of the Holy Spirit. And then there's things that, that we all agree upon. I, I believe, and it's the church's stance here, that the power of the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and it will be forever, and that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still evidence today. All of the cool things, not just the gift of hospitality. I, I mean, I mean the, I'm not saying that's not cool, but, I, you know, I mean, like, like you know, the, the good thing, not the good, uh, never mind. So anyway, but, but sometimes we have to be challenged in the way we think. We have to be challenged in our theology. And so maybe this morning you may be challenged a little bit in the way you have thought about the Spirit of God. Or are you one of those people that got the Holy Spirit all figured out and you're good, man? 
Anybody here? All right, good. So we got room to work. I have noticed that within the church, and even within my own life, because I'm part of the church, that I don't seem to walk in the authority that I read in the Bible. I just, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite there. And then as I study church history, and especially the, the ancient Christian mystics, we don't seem to walk in that same authority, that same anointing, that same power that they have done. And I just scratch my head and I just have to ask why. Because there is a body of evidence throughout history that says the Holy Spirit of God is alive and he's well and he's working. But man, for some reason, I just, I just kind of miss it. And then I get to the story in Luke chapter 11, right? And, and Jesus is talking to his disciples and he, and he tells them this. It's very simple. He goes, all right, you know, if you are you who are evil and he's talking about us. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your heavenly father give to you the gift of the Holy Spirit if you just ask? Okay, so so there's the promise. If you just ask, how much more will God, who's not evil, just want to clarify that, How much more will he give you that gift if you just ask? There is the promise. Okay. Okay. If you consider yourself a Christ follower, a Christian, and and, and, and hear me because I know that maybe there might be some people who are really trying to figure this thing out. and, And if you're one of those people, we're so happy that you're here. And please stay here until God gets a hold of you and you figure that out. But if you consider yourself a Christ follower, Is there anybody in this room that does not want to live and to walk and to possess the power of the Holy Spirit? You can can raise your hand. You can be honest. Does anybody that considers himself a Christ follower not want that? Hmm. No one. Very interesting. We say we want it. You've all say you want it. And, And nobody's really going, yeah, nah, I'm good. I don't need none of that whole freaky stuff, you know. I don't need the Holy Spirit. But the question is, do you really want it? I mean, do you really want it? Because here's the thing. The, the, the Spirit of God wants to possess you completely. Like Linda Blair possession completely, but in a good way. I mean, not in the freaky way, pea soup way, but like in, in, in a godly way. He wants to have all of you. Every single part of you. And that spirit is just like Jesus. Do you really, do you really want to be possessed by a spirit that is just like Jesus? Oh, I know you say you do. I mean, I, I, I said I do. But this spirit is pure and gentle, and wise, loving, and humble and not self-seeking, and not self-serving. Yeah, you know, we want the cool stuff. We want to walk in that, whoa, you know, like part in the seas, and you know, or paint in the seas, like I sung this morning, which was the wrong word, and Don pointed out, thank you. You know, but we want all the, the good stuff, but humble, and pure, and gentle. Ugh, really? I don't have time for that. I mean, give me, the, give me, ugh, you know? 
But this is a spirit who you've all said that you really want. And he wants to possess all of you, every part of you, not just a little, not just most, everything. And here is one of the truths that I really wrestled with um, this week as I was reading Tozer, A.W. Tozer. Um, you all have exactly the amount of the Holy Spirit in your life that you actually want. You have the exact amount of the Holy Spirit in your life that, that you want. You have the exact amount of God in your life that you want. Oh, it might not be what you're praying for. It might not be what you pray for in public or, or even personally. But the reality is you have exactly what you really want. I mean, we, we love the sound of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's got this ring to it, right? It's just like, yeah, that's what, that's what it's supposed to be like. But it comes down to, are you willing to pay the cost? Are you willing to pay the cost? I have a desire for a Harley Davidson. No, I'm serious. So if anybody wants to buy one, for me. Um, I used to ride many, many years ago. Uh, I loved it. At that time, I, I had the hair blowing, or the wind blowing through my hair. Now, not so much. And, 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 you know, but now I can put the knees in the breeze, and that's a little bit better. Um, but I had this desire. We live on a street, and it's a pretty busy street, and our house is kind of close to the street. In the summertime, the bikes just rip by, and I'm just like, ugh. I want me one of those things. But you know what? I am not willing to pay the cost. I'm not willing to pay the price because there's a financial piece to owning a brand new 2012 Harley Davidson. That's why I buy that stupid ticket every year and I never win the motorcycle. But I, will, I, I don't want to incur the cost. You have to buy it. You have to register it. There's maintenance. There's insurance. There are all of these things, that, and they're expensive these days. I have this desire, but I'm not willing to incur, incur that the cost of, of the financial part of it. And also, I'm not willing to incur the cost in my marriage, because I know if I came home with a brand new Harley Davidson, at best, I would be living in the garage with my brand new Harley Davidson. You know, and, and Sandy's always told me, honey, if we could afford it, you could have a midlife crisis. But we just, we can't afford it. And so I guess that's not, that's not in my cards. You know, and, and, and then she, she reminds me, you know, the house needs this and that. And, you know, Megan's got her own college, you know. And so there's other things to spend our money on. I'm not willing to incur the costs of a new motorcycle. And so I just kind of resolve myself every once in a very big blue moon to riding my friends on a, on a Sunday afternoon. And, and it happens, doesn't happen as much as I would like it to. I think that spiritually... We're kind of in the same realm with the Spirit of God. We desire it. We want it. Sounds good. But are we willing to pay the cost? And now you might be thinking, well, Dennis, what is the cost? It's a great question. I'm so glad you've asked it because it's right in my notes that you would ask that question. And I just have to turn the other page and... Whoa, there's the answer. The cost is yourself. 
Are you willing to give up yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, it's, it's as simple and as it's, it's as difficult as that. Are you willing to give up yourself? Are you willing to give up that self-confidence? You know, that swagger that you walk around that thinks, yeah, I got this. I can do this. I don't need any help in this. In fact, you know what? I haven't even prayed about this. I really don't need God's input because I am so sure that I understand what needs to be done. I am going to get it done. I play. I'm the father. I'm the breadwinner. I'm the, you, can, you can go on and on. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the. Some of you in here are, are bosses and managers. Some of you have people that answer to you and you run a department, you run an office, and you probably do it well. But I have to wonder that Well, let me say this. If the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, you don't run anything anymore in your life. And I have to think that maybe it's maybe we don't have that that full anointing of God's Spirit is because we want to run our spiritual lives like it was our business or like it was our office. We're in charge. We make the rules. Let me, let me give you a little piece of advice. You don't get to tell God what to do. You don't get to tell God what to do. I have tried it and I have failed miserably. You don't have to make the same mistake. Are you willing to give up? Are you willing to give up your self-righteousness? You know, we, we all are self-righteous. All of us. Everyone in this room has that ugliness of self-righteousness. That let, let, me, let me give you an example. You all know you're sinners, right? You all know you're broken. You got issues, right? And when the church comes together, we just got a big room full of sinner broken issue people, right? And, 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 that's, and that's okay. You all know that you're not walking you're not walking exactly the way Jesus has called you to walk. I, I mean, are you still tracking with me? All right, good, good. You're not, you're probably not the father that God has called you to be. I mean, like 100%. You haven't got it all figured out, right? You're probably not the mom that, that God has called you to be. Not, not 100%. Probably not the kids that God has called you to be. You're probably not the husband or the wife. I mean, like, you know, God has this, this standard way up here. And, and we try, you know, and, and I don't think... I don't know, but, but you try to get there, right? But you're probably not there. You all make mistakes, right? You've all, you've all come to the place in your life where you're just like, man, my, my, my spiritual walk is a joke. I'm saying one thing and I'm doing another. I, I mean, are, are we there? Are we still tracking along the same lines? And I would bet you that many of you have gone to your knees in prayer and asked God for forgiveness. Ask God to help you. Tell him, man, I don't, I'm, I'm tired of living this way. I, I want something better. And, and you've asked him, and you've repented before him, and you've sought his forgiveness. And I think too many times we don't accept his forgiveness, but you've tried to accept his forgiveness as much as possible. But, but here is the thing. I have gone before God, but don't any of you tell me what kind of parent I should be. Because you ain't all got it together either. Don't any of you tell me what kind of Christian I should be. Or that I need to be this kind of husband. Or you want to tell me to be that kind of wife. But you, you know, you get my points. Who do you think you are, Mr. Mrs. 
misses 100%. I follow Jesus and I only do what the Bible tells me to do. That's a joke. So you just keep your mouth shut and I will live my life. It's between me and God. I mean, yeah, maybe there's a few people that I'll listen to, you know, and, and they, they can speak into my lives. But the rest of you, you just be quiet. And don't go that whole thing with, you know, well, it's, it's in love. No, you just keep your love. You know what you can do with your love? You see, we all have the vein of self-righteousness to it. And you might not have said that to anybody. You might have. But you might not. But I guarantee that we all have thought it one time or another. And see, the Holy Spirit wants to rip that stuff right out of us. Self-confidence, self-righteousness. In fact, all of the self-sins, self-pity, self-indulgence, self-love. You know, self-pity is just pride turned inside out. It's still ugly. God wants to rip those things right out of us through the power of his Spirit. Are you really sure you want to be treated that way? Are you really sure you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because it's not just about healing and prophetic and tongues and miracles. And I would, I would say that until God gets a hold of that junk in you, try as you might, man. The other stuff, you're going to have a tough time. Jesus said, all you have to do is ask for it. All, all you have to do is ask for it and he will give you his spirit. And if that is not true, then that means it's a lie. And if that's a lie, then everything in this book that we believe is a lie. It's not worth the paper that it's printed on. That was Jesus' promise. And so, are you really asking? I mean, are you really asking to be filled with the power and the authority and the Holy Spirit of God. If there is something bigger in your life that, if there's something that you desire more than, than being filled with the Holy Spirit, you will never walk filled. If God is not your 100% desire, then you will never know what it's like to walk filled with the Spirit of God. Are you willing to pay that cost? It's pricey. Jesus never said it'd be easy. He said it'd be worth it. He never said it would be easy. And until that desire is in you, until that, until you, until you make that decision, man, there's not a lot that people can do. John the Baptist, when he was walking the earth, you know, and, and he's doing his thing, and, and people are freaking out because he's a he's a crazy looking dude. He's eating bugs and stuff like that. And, and uh, he sees Jesus and he points him out. He goes, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And from that point on, John's part in the story starts to decrease and decrease. In fact, he would even say, I must decrease so that he can increase. And John begins to go away until finally he is killed. But what John did, he pointed people to Jesus. There he is. There is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. And then it was the people who had to actually go and follow him. They had to start to move in a certain direction and follow Jesus. And there was a cost 
to even following Jesus then? Are you willing to pay the costs? We could lay hands on you. We could pray for you. But it's only the Spirit of God that will, can, is able to fill you. Now, I know that, I mean, I, I was thinking through this, and, you know, I'm, I'm working on it, man. I'm a work in progress. I'm, 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 I'm trying to figure it out. And I, I'm working on it. And I, and I thought that maybe I'm a little fuller today than I was yesterday. But I'm not talking about the imitation of Christ. I'm talking about the incarnation of Christ in each one of his people. Because what I really got hit with this week, and this is where it gets even harder for me as I wrestled with this, I can't find any person in this book. I can't find any story in this book where somebody was gradually filled with the Holy Spirit. They were overwhelmed every time. The Spirit of the Lord came upon them and everything changed. What is that all about? I have, a, I have a hard time with that. And like I said, I'm hoping that I'm challenging you in your idea of what the Holy Spirit is. See, you might have thought we were going to get all crazy, miracle-y, doing where so. No, no, no. This is, this is basics, man. We got to get a hold of this that we would be instilled with God's Spirit because it comes down to, this is a heart condition. Where is your heart? This is a surrender condition. Are you willing to surrender everything? Or, are you, or do you just want Jesus to do all the dying and you just want to get the reward? That's a hard truth to wrestle with, man. Are you willing to empty yourself and be filled with Him, because the Holy Spirit will not be anywhere where the Holy Spirit is not wanted. He's not going to force Himself on you. Are you willing to pay the cost? Are you willing to give up all those self-sins? So the Spirit can fill you. You will live. You will live in a very different way. You know, as we look into this new year, I keep coming back to 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 hope and peace and joy and love. It's hope and peace and joy and love. And these things are just echoing around in me. And we, we define those things not as the world would define them, but as God would define them. And so for us, hope, peace, joy, and love, they are spiritual things. And those things are, are given to us. They are empowered in us by the indwelling of the Spirit within us. Are you tracking? And so I guess if we just go through this in a linear process, if you lack hope, peace, joy, love, it's not an easy place to be. Have you emptied yourself to be filled with the Spirit of God? So I want to leave you with this question this morning. Do you really want to be spirit-filled? Pray. God, we give you the grace. We receive your grace. 
God, I know that sometimes you try to figure you out, you just scramble our eggs a little deeper. Lord, there's there's so much work that has to be done in each one of us, and, and we can't do it ourselves. So I pray that you would teach us to surrender. Show us what surrender is like, because I know that it's different for everyone, and we we have to be followers. We have to be surrenderers to the glory of the kingdom. Lord, my desire is to be filled, but help us all do the work of emptying. Pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.